I'm told that people's strongest first impression of me as a pastor, at least frequently, is, well, what I'm doing now. Coming out from behind the pulpit and down on the floor to offer a sermon. I didn't always preach this way. Back in school, like most preachers, I stayed behind the pulpit, but in my first congregation, well, they all sat so far to the back of the sanctuary, I felt like I was so far away from them that I came out from behind the pulpit because I didn't need it. I didn't have any written notes. And they still seemed so far away from me that I came down the steps and into the aisle to be near them. Mostly because I've never been really interested in preaching at people, but rather trying to have a conversation with people trying to invite people into seeking the wisdom of God through reading and reflecting upon passages of the Bible. And so from that first Sunday in that congregation till today, so for over eight years here at Eastgate, I've come out from behind that pulpit except on Lincoln Sundays and come down here onto the floor to be close to you, to open up the Bible and see which pieces of God's wisdom we might utilize and reflect upon and live by in our current context, in our current situations. What you may not know is that over the last several months, while we've been recording these worship services, instead of all gathering in this one place at one time, every single sermon except the one for Earth Day, which used those fake trees up there as a backdrop, Every single one of them has also been recorded with me down here on the floor. After more than a decade of preaching like this, well, it feels downright uncomfortable to open up the Bible and look for God's wisdom anywhere else. Now, in recent weeks, I've done some other things, and so I haven't usually preached from the aisle because it's a weird camera angle, but I thought I would today. Speaking of camera angles, don't look too closely at the floor. You'll see some masking tape that marks some of my camera positions for various things we tend to record in here. It is an odd time. It's been an odd several months. I'm sure for you, certainly for me as a pastor. It's so opposite of what our instincts are. We want to be with each other. We want to put our arms around each other, we want to hug each other, we want to laugh together in person, not over the phone or over a virtual chat. And yet, the circumstances we find ourselves in, it seems that the, the wisest course of action, the most faithful course of action, is to do what we've been doing. Record services from the sanctuary, gather outside when we gather together in small groups. Time is a weird thing. I so greatly appreciate Kohelet's wisdom recorded in the third chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes, set to song back in the 60s. I kind of imagine it was set to song in the ancient world as well, about how there's a time for everything, for every purpose under heaven. That's certainly true with our lives. There's a time to come together and a time to refrain from coming together. 
so often these past months we have refrained from coming together. We've refrained from embracing. But it's made other things more challenging. It's made celebrating together much more challenging. It's made grieving together and comforting one another much more challenging. It makes saying goodbye, at least for a season, the seasons to come, more challenging as well. A few years ago, I was reflecting on this bit of scripture, which you know I like so much that I often share at funerals because I think it's so wise and so helpful for us when we face uncertain times. Well, I find my, found myself asking a question that I don't think is found in the book of Ecclesiastes. It was written by, a, of all things, a pop group back in the 70s, Chicago. Does anybody really know what time it is? Followed by the next line, does anybody really care? For copyright purposes, we can't include it in the services today, though I've shared it through social media this week. I think it's the logical follow-up question to this recognition that there's a time for everything under, under heaven. That may be so, but who knows what time it really is. I mean, it's one thing to recognize that, yes, there's a perfect time to do a whole host of things. But how do you know if this is that right moment? one of my favorite words in Greek, kairos, which means the right instant for something to happen. If this is a kairos moment for whatever action or lack of action your instinct guides you towards. I think that's especially hard for us in the life of the church. The hard answer is that usually there are overlapping times and different people in a community of faith are, are in a different season of their life. And they're focusing on two or three of those things listed in Ecclesiastes 3, while others are focused on others. There are some that are called to grieve more right now and others to celebrate more right now. Some called to try and find ways to bring us together in new ways and others called to remind us to stay apart for everyone's safety and well-being. And those are just the tip of the iceberg. Our uncertainty and our anxiety over the past months, I think, are simply a, a reflection of the fact that none of us is entirely confident. We know what time it is and what God really wants of us in this season from day to day. And yet, and yet, I can tell you from personal experience, I can give you a testimony as the pastor, the senior minister of Eastgate Christian Church for over eight and a half years that I have seen us and sometimes been a part of us doing things at the right time in the right way. I've been a part of us extending our commitment to a clinic frankly, that nobody could find on a map in Carfu, Haiti, and offering a large community down there, especially mothers and their children, basic medical care. Because each year, we send the salary for a doctor to visit that clinic, 
once every week or two to provide treatment for basic things. Frankly, for things that you and I, if, if, if our kids had them or our grandkids had them, we'd go by the drugstore and pick up something over the counter and it would take care of it. But in Haiti, that's not really an option. For so many people that you and I will never meet, we've made a world of difference in a variety of ways for more than 10 years. I think about it the ways that we gather together for Valentine breakfasts and Thanksgiving dinners, for Easter egg hunts and mother-daughter friend banquets, for ice cream socials and just, well, sometimes even just looking for an excuse to get together, to spend time to each, with each other, to laugh together, to eat together. And then, well, when somebody doesn't show up or somebody's unable to be at one of those gatherings, the number of people who follow up by sending cards, emails, making phone calls. Because even though somebody couldn't be present in person, they were not forgotten. Loved, they were loved and missed. And still a valued and valuable part of our community of faith. Oh, those actions were bringing us together at the right time in the right way. The ways we've gathered together to celebrate baptisms, to celebrate lives well lived when we honor people as they go home to what comes after this life in God's loving hands. We've opened the scriptures every week multiple times a week in so many ways. Yes, in sermons, in worship services, in Sunday school classes, in Bible study classes, in personal devotion time, through that rather audacious, still audacious, still mind-boggling 66-week journey through the Bible, God's Way 66. Who does that? Who does it and who who comes to the end of it? I mean, a lot of people have great expectations of what they might do, but we did that. We did it together. And it was the right time for it too, I think. And so many of our lives, including mine, were, well, we're so enriched by that experience. In fact, I think many of our lives continue to be, to be enriched by that experience. That definitely was something we did in the right season, even if we didn't quite know what we were getting into when we started. Does anybody really know what time it is? Sometimes, even if we can't put those words to it. Through prayer and discernment, through welcoming and recognizing the guidance of God's Holy Spirit, even if we don't always know from the beginning that it actually is God's Holy Spirit leading us, and we only recognize that after the fact, that leads us to do so many things right when they need to be done. Look, I'll put it on a personal level for you. How many times have you been facing a challenge or facing a certain, a certain emptiness in your life? whether for sadness or you had joy that you didn't know how to share with somebody else. 
And that was the moment your phone rang. And a dear friend was on the other end. And there would have been no better time for them to reach out and talk to you. Or in the other direction. How many times have you called somebody up? How many times have you dropped by a close friend or family member's home when you weren't expected? And they said, I'm so glad. You, you can't imagine. This is the exact perfect moment for you to do this. This is exactly what I needed right now. Even when we can't put these words of it was God's time to it, even if we don't know 100% before or while we're doing it, often our faithful instincts lead us to do many of the right things in the right ways at the right times. Oh, don't get me wrong, I certainly don't think we're perfect. I know I'm not perfect. And theologically speaking, I know nobody is but Jesus. And yet, I think God helps us to do things more right than wrong, well, more often than we deserve, certainly more often than would happen if we were just left to our own devices. So what time is it today for you or for me? Over the past several months, I've been sensing God's Holy Spirit saying a new season is about to begin in your life and in the life of your family. I need you to get ready. And then a few months ago, the invitation to consider becoming regional minister in the upper Midwest presented itself. And I said, I'd be willing to be considered for that calling because I thought God might be nudging me, inviting me in that direction. And over the course of the year, even during this time of pandemic, that the confidence I've had that that really is God's call, that this really is the right time for me to be accepting a new ministry position, that really is a Holy Spirit thing. It really is an Ecclesiastes 3 thing. I don't know why I'm confident that it is the right time for this, but, well, through the experience of faith over more than four decades, I'm pretty confident the hand of God has been leading me. The Holy Spirit's been guiding me and sometimes even inspiring me. Still, it's a hard day for me. Because even though I know I'm saying yes to God, and even though I'm confident that even to the limits of my ability, I'm that this is the time that it is in my life, I do know what time it is. It's time to say yes to a no opportunity and to say goodbye to serving at Eastgate. Well, that doesn't make the saying goodbye any easier. And as I record this and try to focus on the camera, I see behind it rows and rows of empty chairs. So there's even another part of me that knows that this is the right time to say goodbye and this is the right way to say goodbye, but it hurts because I wish we saw each other right now.
as I was speaking these words and you're hearing them. It's that distance thing again, that sense of separation. It's still hard. It still feels unnatural. It's a time when we're supposed to refrain from embracing, when every instinct in my body says that if I see you this week, I want to throw my arms around you. I want to share my tears and my laughter with you. I want to share my love with you. I want to say thank you. I want to say God bless you. But I'm sure that we're not supposed to embrace and we can't laugh too closely to each other for fear of spitting at each other's directions and probably shouldn't cry on each other either for the same reason. But I don't want to let this, the particularities of this time, suggest to you that I'm leaving uh, with, with light feet, shaking the dust off of the city of Independence and moving to Des Moines. I've loved serving here. I've loved leading Eastgate in worship. I've loved preaching. I've loved leading at Christ's table. And I've loved meeting each and every one of you. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what it holds for me, and I don't know what it holds for you or for the church as a whole. Here's what I do know. When I arrived here in December of 2011, I couldn't really have imagined, and I didn't imagine, what my life would be today. I wanted to be married. I hoped that I and my wife would want to have kids and would be able to raise children. I hoped to be at Eastgate a long time. I hoped... I hoped to build wonderful friendships with people at Eastgate, with colleagues, with others yet. I hope to pray and praise. I hoped to sing. I hoped so much. And I can tell you this, the life that I've enjoyed here. The ministry I've been able to share here, it's been so much more than that. It's been so much more than I could have ever imagined. So two things with that. One is my deep 
and enduring gratitude for the part that you have played in that. The part that Eastgate as a whole and our welcoming and loving and supporting and nurturing culture has played in it. And the part that you have played individually in it. I am profoundly, almost beyond words, grateful. And I'm grateful to God. I'm grateful to God that when I was discerning where to serve in God's name nine years ago, the search committee from Eastgate reached out to me. And I took our conversations very seriously. And there was a point almost exactly nine years ago when I realized this was the right place. This was the right time. It was a God thing. And the blessings that have come after that, they've been so much, so much a God thing. Which leads me to the second lesson of all this. Whether we know what time it is or not, I think if we're following our instincts, guiding, guided by the love and the wisdom and the nurture of the Holy Spirit, there's even more yet to come. That the opportunities that we will face, the lives we will build, build the ministries we will share in the years ahead. They're more than we can even hope and imagine today. Because I know what a faithful group of people Eastgate is. And I know you'll keep being nudged and loved and guided by the Holy Spirit. And I know no other way to explain my last decade than to suggest that somehow, bumbling or not, in my life I've been able to do the same. And I know that the God who has brought us to this day will bring us to days yet to come. There will be challenges. It won't all work out how we imagine. But I think it'll work out pretty good. Well, certainly the last nine years, they've worked out pretty good.